It's the Dubai Property Podcast for news, interviews and market trends. And welcome back to another episode of the Dubai Property Podcast talking real estate around the UAE and available of course on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your good podcast from as we bring you the most real estate podcast news and information. Of course multiple times every week and we don't just concentrate on Dubai, we look at the whole UAE. And welcome along to it's a Tuesday morning, the 12th day of September. And if you are listening in Norway this morning, good morning to you. I highlight Norway because we have received a few emails from there now. And Helena has written in, and I'll just read you the, the section of the email. And you can draw what you like. I think she makes some some very valid comments here. She says, Transparency is paramount in Dubai's real estate market. When a company conceals the names and the faces of its directors, it raises questions about trust and accountability. Buyers, she says, and investors deserve to know who is steering the ship, especially when significant investments are are at stake. A real estate company's About Us page should proudly display its leadership, fostering confidence and transparency in every transaction. In an industry built on trust, openness is not an option. She says it's a necessity. Therefore, she says, I'm very, very surprised by either a real estate company or a developer's website that lacks this openness. She says, when I see no names or photos of leadership, I don't make any contact with that company. All right. Well, thank you, Helena. You have made your point. You've made your voice heard. And yes, I would have to agree that that is a fair enough uh, comment. What do you think? You can always send your thoughts and suggestions through. Our email address is dubaipropertypodcast.com at gmail.com. Well, as I mentioned, it is a Tuesday morning. We're here to talk plenty of real estate and let's welcome in Mario Volpe, your real estate professional and mine. And good morning to you, Mario. Welcome back. Thank you, Craig. Good morning to all the lovely listeners. And another busy week, of course, uh, coming up, no doubt, plenty of transactions in real estate. And we're having a look at a really good one this morning, the uh, the cost of everything. And we're going to kick it off with looking at this all-important cost of accommodation. Yeah, for the purpose of, of the question, which came in from a listener last week, I wanted to compare the sort of a basket of uh, costs to the UK and obviously the UAE. Now, there was a good mixture of items that the UAE was much cheaper than the UK. And of course, certain items were were cheaper in, in the UK rather than the UAE. But I broke it down to uh, initially with the cost of accommodation. Now, this in the UAE is high at present, uh, mainly due to the ongoing increases in residential property prices, where we've seen sort of some uh, spikes of 50 to 100% rental increases over the past few years. 
So clearly renting in the UAE uh, is more costly uh, than the UK at the moment. This, of course, does come with some caveats as there's still some parts of of the UAE where rents are affordable. Uh, But if you go to the sort of highly sought after locations, in general, UAE is, is more expensive. The other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, transport. Transport is clearly more affordable in the UAE. Uh, The cost of taxis, metro, buses, all are obviously uh, more affordable than the UK. And this obviously boils down to the fact that petrol is nearly three times cheaper in in the UAE compared to the UK. Currently, one litre of of fuel in the UK will cost you £1.53. And that was the cheapest that I could find. In some areas, this is a much, much higher figure. But in the UAE, it's only 55 pence a litre. So as you can see, three times less. And what about some of the services? Yeah, the cost of services such as internet, electricity, water, etc. are more affordable again in the UK. Here in the UAE, a typical three-bedroom apartment will probably set you back approximately 2,000 dirhams per month for these utilities. The bulk of the electricity and water costs do, however, come in the form of a housing fee, which which is a form of a tax. It's actually calculated at 5% of the rent payable monthly. Now, if you were to remove this, the cost would drop down by between 35 and 40% monthly. And Mario, what about internet? Because, of course, internet is so vitally important uh, these days. How does that sort of stack up to the UK? I believe it's actually higher. Um, the figure that I gave you with the 2000, that would actually include the internet costs on a, on a monthly basis. But if we were to break it down, and, and I guess depending on what sort of services and what broadband speed you, you know, you're, you're requesting, uh, can cost up to approximately 800 dirhams a month. And I mean, that's about 160 pounds. So I would imagine that the internet costs, if you've got some very high speeds coming into your apartment, would actually be more expensive in the UAE than in UK. If you look at all of the infrastructure, of course, especially around technology in the UAE, I mean, this is something that they they set a fairly high bar for to to make sure that, you know, internet speed broadband is running at a reasonably fast speed. As you say, you've got these different options, but it's certainly something that they don't uh, not pay attention to. They pay a great deal of attention to, you're right. I mean, internet and, and future technology, Dubai is always at the forefront in further developing these and ensuring that obviously its residents, its citizens, its, its visitors all have a very, very good experience when it, when it comes to technology. So malls, the airport. In fact, when you, when you first arrive at the airport, they actually give you a SIM card. You don't even have to buy it. They mm. give you a SIM card, which is pre loaded to actually do this is great because I've gone to other places in the Middle East where obviously you have to buy these SIM cards, which is fair enough, but here they give it to you for free. You know, I was just thinking it's probably not a bad idea. We should get somebody on one of these companies that actually really deals heavily into the space of apartment fibre optics and the way that they fit these apartments out because that would be pretty interesting to just find out from a technological viewpoint just how advanced they are. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that would make some very good listening. I'd, I'd tune definitely tune in for that. Yeah. All right. Now, I know that everybody's tuned in right now for all of the cost of living. One that we haven't yet got to, which everybody's probably waiting on, Mario, is the food. Yeah, the foodstuffs. Okay, well, without boring the listeners, I, I did actually look at basic items and compared the prices. So there's four or five items that I, I compared. Let, let's start with sort of semi-skimmed or low-fat milk and indeed uh, half a dozen eggs of medium size and quality. These two items were approximately the same. Of course, when you start looking into organic or me Amiga, you know, the free range, etc., eggs can vary greatly. And, and the same is with milk. I mean, now we have soya, oat, coconut, almond. I mean, the list is endless. All of these are higher in prices uh, for both countries. The UK fared better when looking at a standard sliced loaf of bread, for example, uh, and indeed uh, 200 grams of cheddar. Now, cheddar obviously comes from the UK, uh, but both of these items are roughly double the price in the UAE compared to the UK. Now, I don't know whether that's import costs or, or whatever, but cheese, especially cheddar, is double the price. So like I said, this, this exercise was to gauge the cost of certain items and services. If anyone really digs deep, there are always ways to make savings here and there. And where an individual shops also uh, obviously determines the cost of higher or lower amounts. And for example, getting a haircut uh, is cheaper in the older parts of Dubai than where I live in JBR. Now, this is mainly down to the cost of rents of the salons or the establishments where, where the salons are and salaries. So it's it's normal, if you think about it, that it's it's cheaper in, in those areas than it is where I live. So really, to, to sum it up, the cost of living is potentially higher in the UAE for certain things. But remember that salaries are also higher and there's no income tax. So it makes the UAE a fabulous place to move and to enjoy your life, basically. And you said something really interesting last week, and that was a hardship posting. It's no longer that, but you've been there long, long enough to recall the days of the hardship posting, just in terms of getting the food that you really wanted to eat. Yeah, no, what I meant by hardship posting was when when uh, these HR companies reach out to to people, you know, in Europe, in England, etc., America, uh, to come and, and, and live and work in the UAE for, for positions that they have. In the days when I first came here, they had to really make those postings attractive because the UAE wasn't really known like it is today, especially Dubai. So they had to entice by offering not just high salaries and obviously uh, tax-free salaries. They they offered uh, insurance, medical insurance. They offered accommodation. They offered uh, school fees for up to uh, two children. Now, it's important to note that in real estate, these kind of things were never offered from the point of view you had, potentially you had a salary. In those days, agents actually were paid salaries. Nowadays, they're not. They're paid on commission only. And therefore, it is a big step to actually come. Fast forward sort of 15 years, and because of how fantastic Dubai has kind of behaved uh, on the world stage, people are no longer being made to come here. They're coming here on their own on their own bat. And so obviously employers are looking at this and thinking, okay, well, salaries is one thing, but a lot of them don't offer 
all those fringe benefits that they offered before. So that's what I kind of wanted to say about a hardship posting. When it comes to cost of living, obviously everything goes up. Inflation, you know, is up. Inflation is down. Whatever, whatever goes on economically, that's normal. But for sure, the cost of things today, and I'm not necessarily talking about real estate, are going to be more expensive than they were 15 years ago. That goes without saying. Yeah, it's quite interesting also if you project 15 years from now. So we've sort of gone full circle 15 years ago to that hardship posting that you're talking about. Another 15 years, we'll be talking, you know, in 15 years' time saying, do you remember back in 2023 when we were talking about that? Can I, can I make a suggestion on that? I mean, maybe in 15 years, uh, people wanting to come to Dubai will probably have to pay the uh, the employer rather than the <laughs> other way around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows where it's all going to wind up? But look, I want to talk about a very serious subject. It doesn't get much more serious than this. Hatter sign world record. I haven't caught up on this, but you've got the, the very latest and the greatest news of another world record for Dubai. Uh, I need to let the listeners know that uh, whether it's a, uh, we're a victim of our own success or whatever, but Dubai seems to be collecting world records uh, like perhaps you collect LPs, Craig. But, yeah, uh, vinyl. The fact is, vinyl, yeah. The fact is that uh, Dubai has added one more world record. Now, for, for those listeners who don't know where Hatta is, Hatta is a small town on the borders of Oman and Dubai, and it's very much still in Dubai. It has beautiful backdrop of the Hajar Mountains. And in fact, this Hatta sign, which looks very similar to the sort of Hollywood sign in Los Angeles, and it's stuck up 450 meters high up in the Hajar Mountains. It, it has now become uh, a world record for, for being the sort of famous highest sign for the region. Despite the location, Hatta is famous for several things like its Green Lake, which is an artificial lake. There's a heritage village, Hatta dam waterfalls it has hundreds of kilometers of biking and hiking trails and a lot of people go there for glamping some mm. do proper camping but there are many hotels there as well that offer glamping the whole of hatta is part of the dubai 2040 urban master plan well, we have given Hatter a really big plug there. I think what we should do is have a weekend away and do some real estate on that sign. I mean, we could be having a brunch and staying somewhere. Give it a little bit of a, a plug, but I understand you can't buy any real estate just in case somebody's sort of wanting to do that. Not from expats, you can't. Obviously, if you're local, you, you can. But uh, yeah, it's an amazing place to go and visit and have a have a staycation, a weekend away. There's so much to do. And of course, the scenery is is totally different to what you look at, at at Dubai. You have mountains. I mean, you have real rocks. And to actually, when you drive and you see them coming towards you, it's, it's actually quite nice rather than looking at towers and glass and steel for a change. All right, well, we'll leave it there, Mario. Enjoy your Tuesday. Look forward, of course, uh, catching you back on Saturday with the Saturday morning property market update. Enjoy your day. Thank you very much, Craig, and goodbye to all the listeners. We dive deep into topics like buying, selling, investing, and maximising your property's value. From mortgage advice to the latest property data and trending numbers, your real estate journey starts here.
understand Dubai's property laws and regulations, seek professional guidance to navigate the intricacies of the buying process because everything, Matthew, from there will run a lot more smoothly for you. Yeah, indeed. I think buying a house here, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford one, certainly when you come into Dubai, is different to the UK or is different to the US and Europe. Here, once you sign the MOU or once you sign that contract, there's no real pulling out. You've put a 10% deposit down on the sale value and that's non-negotiable. In the UK, of course, right up until you actually exchange contracts, anyone can pull out any one time. Here, once you sign it, once you find a house and you say, yes, I want it, you put down 10%, you sign the MOU, you're in. Unlock the secrets of real estate and stay informed about the latest real estate buzz with hot market trends, emerging suburbs and hidden gems.